Truth Espresso, episode 254. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and I have with me once again my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea, after we had a break last week when we attended a wedding, and perhaps you might get tired of hearing me blab as I'm driving to work, and so thank you, sweetheart, for doing this with me again. Oh, of course. Thanks for including me in on this. And um, I was trying to think of what to talk about for this week now that you're back and we're kind of done with the court gesturing series. I know that there's been some recent um, developments in the Hunter Biden story, but not any court cases and stuff. So nothing really for doing another episode on court gesturing. And eventually we'll get back to the revival series, but I happened to see an event that happened this last week in the pro-life movement that seemed apropos to discuss for this week's episode, and I've entitled this episode, Ohio Right to Life Aborts the Truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to see what that's all about, but it kind of involves a clash of religion and kind of politics there, and one brave Christian who speaks the truth. So, sweetheart, you want to open up the episode with a an introductory verse. Sure. I love that this episode is about truth and standing up for truth, and especially since your podcast is Truth (laughs) (laughs) Just how important truth is. And so the verse that I was thinking of comes from Psalms 117, verse 2. It says, For his, which is talking about God, his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. I love that verse where it just talks about the truth of the Lord endures forever. God's truth is something that never fades away. It doesn't change. It's something that we can rely on. And I think that it's so comforting to know that his truth is constant like that. And that's where we see in the story that we're going to talk about today that truth is something that people try to make fun of or blast or even shut down. But God's truth is something that's like still going to be there no matter what. And I just like that verse and thought maybe it would be a good verse to start this episode with. Definitely nice verse, sweetheart. And yeah, it reminds me of Psalm 100 verse 5. I think it is the last Mm -hmm. verse there about his truth endureth to all generations. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that is a common theme in the Bible about how the importance of truth and how it endures. And so, yes, speak the truth boldly. And this is a story this last week about someone who who spoke the truth boldly and did not back down. And I think that she really shined through all this. And I guess you could say she's going to have the last laugh in this. And so what are we talking about here? So Ohio Right to Life, each state seems to have a Right to Life organization. I think they may or may not be related, but Ohio Right to Life and Often, right-to-life organizations are not necessarily all Christians. There can be Jews. I don't know if any of them have Muslims in it or not, but there can be people who are spiritual but not religious, whatever, but 
people that just happen to understand that abortion takes human life, and so they all have the same goal of fighting for the right to life, but sometimes clashes of beliefs can cause issues in organizations like this, and that was the case in Ohio Right to Life, and one of the staff members by the name of Elizabeth Marbach was the communications director for Ohio Right to Life, and she also would head up the podcast that they would host. So on August 15th in the afternoon, at least as I looked at the tweet here, is probably displaying in mountain time. So in our time, it was August 15th at 3.10 p.m., Marbach tweeted, quote, There's no hope for any of us outside of having faith in Jesus Christ alone, unquote. And yeah, I would say amen, but most people should recognize that that's a basic understanding of what Christianity teaches. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if anyone would disagree with that, you'd think, look, well, how could you even call your belief Christian if you would have a problem with that? That's fundamental to any sect of Christianity. So Marbach tweeted that, and of course, she got all kinds of different responses to that. But, sweetheart, you want to mention the kind of the response that got the ball rolling on this and turned it into a big controversy? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So an Ohio Republican representative by the name of Max Miller he is actually a Jew, and it looked like he was a younger person as well. I forget if he's like 32 or 33. That was a Trump-appointed like aide, I guess, during some of Trump's administration stuff. Yeah, and I think he also kind of worked on the Trump campaign, and okay. Elizabeth Marbach also worked on Trump's campaign. So, there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So he's been around quite a few Republicans and like people that, not saying Trump is conservative entirely, (laughs) but... Yeah, you you could describe Trump more as a populist with some conservative leanings, but yeah, Yeah. mostly you describe him as a a populist, but... (laughs) Yes. So it's just interesting. I mean, even though he's Republican... We can't just assume that all Republicans are Christians or all Republicans are pro-life or things like that. So anyways, um, Republican Representative Max Miller, he tweeted a response to Lizzie's, or he calls her Lizzie, Elizabeth Marbach's post. And he said, quote, this is one of the most bigoted tweets I have ever seen. Delete it, Lizzie, unquote. Yikes. And I think, of course, Lizzie is the name that she would go by. So him calling her Lizzie wasn't necessarily kind of a slur, but telling her to delete it because he didn't agree with it. You know, it's interesting to see he should know as a Jew, especially as a Republican one, he had to encounter a lot of Christians, especially, I think, when it comes to pro-life organizations, usually there are more Christians in them than anyone who's not a Christian. So he had to have I don't know, sweetheart, would you agree with that? Or most pro-life organizations, are most of the members, would they consider themselves some form of Christian? Yeah, I think there's a lot of Catholic involvement in that too, which I think that could kind of be lumped into that. Like it's not as separate of a religion Mm. as like a Muslim would be or something. Yeah, I mean like some who would call themselves Christian. Yeah, certainly a lot of Catholics, but Mm -hmm. as compared to... Atheists, agnostics, Jews, Hindus, you know, whatever. There would be a greater representation of those who would call themselves Christians compared to anything other than Christian. That to say that Representative Miller, if he's involved in this movement in any way, 
I would think he would be exposed to the beliefs of Christianity and that the statement that Ms. Marbach made on Twitter would be something that he would recognize as like, oh yeah, that's something that Christians would say. So for him to say, this is one of the most bigoted tweets I've ever seen seems to demonstrate that either he hasn't been exposed to it or he, you know, kind of just has a problem with it. Like, I don't understand why he would be shocked by something like this. But it seems like he kind of, like, just looking up at some of his history and stuff, he tends to be easily offended by statements, like thinking that people are bigoted or anti-Semitic. Like, he seems to just kind of have a higher intolerance for some wording and thinking that a lot of people are targeting Jews like specifically and it was just kind of interesting to try and learn a little bit more about his background and where he comes from and stuff that he's very very protective of the Jewish community and can easily take offense and easily become angry or high-tempered towards things that he thinks might be targeting Jews specifically. Mm. Which, of course, her statement wasn't, but he's going to take offense to that because that's a claim historically that clashed with first century Jews and continues to clash with them now because it's claiming basically that their religion cannot save them. But that's the Christian message, even today as it was in the first century, that their Messiah came and they must trust in their Messiah. But it's interesting that he calls that a bigoted tweet because of the exclusivity of claiming that Jesus is the only hope. But I was thinking about that. Well, okay, if he's pro-life, if he would affirm that life begins at conception— Well, then how about this bigoted statement? Every human is made in the image of God, and life begins at conception. Are absolute statements, by definition, bigoted, Mr. Miller? Because I would think that that statement, if he truly is pro-life, or would consider himself 100% pro-life if he is in any way aligned with the Ohio right to life, because as we will see, he has some at least indirect connection to that organization. And so Jews and Christians should agree with the statement, every human is made in the image of God that comes from Genesis and life begins at conception. That's an absolute statement. And if someone disagrees with it, Would that therefore make that statement bigoted because you're making an absolute claim? That would be my question for Mr. Miller in this case. Later on, Representative Miller followed up his reply by saying, Religious freedom in the United States applies to every religion. You have gone too far. So what do you think of that, sweetheart? Okay, since she made a claim that reflected what her religion believes, Christianity, that Jesus is the only hope, yet he seems to be claiming that her statement violates religious freedom because... Well, religious freedom is not exclusive to Christianity, according to the First Amendment, that therefore she's gone too far by making that claim. (laughs) Yeah, you have to think about it for a minute, but it kind of leaves you scratching your head, right? (laughs) Well, it seems like that his statement is contradictory because he's saying religious freedom in the United States applies to every religion. So that would include Christianity. Mm -hmm. But then he tells her that she's gone too far because she made a religious statement about Christianity. So it just seems like it's contradictory of his claim that all religions in the U.S. can have freedom except for hers. So I just think that that's hypocrisy in that statement. Religious freedom does not necessarily entail a belief in religious pluralism or a religious inclusivity. Because religious freedom doesn't mean that no one is free to make absolute statements. It doesn't mean that no religion can claim to be the ultimate necessary truth, which Christianity is by nature. And 
So to say that religious freedom, therefore you can't claim absolute truth, what's the point of religion anyway if basically it's invalidated? Religious freedom means you can't make exclusive claims. Well, then what is religion then? If it just invalidates the claim that any religion can actually be truth. If religion can't claim to be truth, it just amounts to a shot in the dark. So it's almost like with his statement there, he's challenging even his own claim as a Jew to have the truth, too. Because couldn't he make absolute claims about his beliefs? So that's where, you know, like that truth has to exist because it kind of goes to the moral relativism. Like, okay, I can say my truth is okay. You can say your truth is okay. And just try and accept anyone and everyone's truth. But then when it comes down to it, he's going to say, oh, no, you can't say your truth because I don't agree with that. Then you don't have the absolute truth. And I think that's where, like the verse we talked about earlier, where the truth of the Lord endures forever. Like God's truth is the only truth that's absolute and is something that is consistent throughout. It doesn't change based on other religions or other people's thoughts or feelings or perceptions. It's an absolute. So if she's claiming an absolute truth, then he can try to attack it, but at the same time, it's like, you can't because that's an absolute truth. I don't even yeah. know if that made sense. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, absolutely it made sense. <laughs> I'm trying to make it make, make, it make sense well, in my head and trying to get yeah. it out. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, I was just watching The Incredibles with our kids this morning while you're teaching a childbirth class to one of your clients. And, of course, Syndrome, the villain in there says, and if everyone is a super, then no one is a super, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, if you're claiming that there is no absolute truth in any one religion, then there is no religion. (laughs) There is no truth. I think it made absolute sense, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, I I was reading through the comments in this original tweet from Marbach and Miller's reply. And, of course, I was looking at other comments and I saw one commenter who said her post was anti-Semitic. And of course, I expect to see that, you know, anytime someone makes an absolute claim of Christianity, that therefore it becomes anti-Semitic because you're disagreeing with Jews. This often happens with such claims, but... We'd like to point out Jesus, his 12 apostles, and the apostle Paul were all Jews. And so to claim that the Messiah has come as prophesied in the Jewish scriptures and was rejected by his own people as prophesied in the scriptures, such as Isaiah 53, and that's not anti-Semitic. Disagreeing with the religious claims of modern Jews is not anti-Semitic. So it's kind of like saying, if you say anything that would disagree with, well, Jews can be saved if they just believe and do their faith, that's anti-Semitic. Well, you, <laughs> to be Christians, we have to say the truth. And this is the truth that first century Jews and Jews to this day reject, that their Messiah has come. That's not anti-Semitic. The claim that it's anti-Semitic is either to say, like, well, you must be Jewish, or your beliefs can't in any way claim that they cannot be saved by their own beliefs, which would then necessarily deny the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I really liked Marbach's reply to this. She replied, quote, sorry, Congressman, but these are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one has hope outside of Jesus Christ, and every knee will bow one day, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. End quote. 
So this is what I would call doubling down. (laughs) (laughs) I know that there are a lot of people who would make a statement like what she did originally, but then when there's pushback on it, well, I didn't mean it in any way that might offend you or, okay, I apologize if I sounded harsh or, well, I didn't say this or I didn't mean this and stuff. It's like, okay, she's bold that she's willing to double down and defend what she said and elaborate on it. So she was not someone who's going to cower when there's backlash. And so I think that makes her a first-class Christian apologist here. Especially you have a representative who's replying to you and she's not going to get scared when the her tweet's now going to get millions of views. And Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, I guess in her next response, she says, um, quote, what is so great about this by, and she puts Max Miller's Twitter handle, handle. X handle. (laughs) So Max Miller reposting me that thousands of people will now be confronted with the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. What man meant for evil, God means for good. End quote. <laughs> yeah, so she could see that, okay, you know, the more opposition there is, the more views there are, all she's concerned about is that people see the truth. She doesn't seem to care that people are attacking her, but that the truth is now being made more visible and exposed to more people, the conversation's going, and that makes her happy. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, good on Miss Elizabeth Marbach. Hello, I'm Melba Toast, host of Thoroughly Equipped, a podcast for women centered on Sola Scriptura, the doctrine that the scriptures are all we need for salvation and spiritual living. This podcast takes the popular evangelical women's ministry teachings and philosophies and compares them to scripture to show just how sufficient it is to thoroughly equip and train us to be women who glorify God in all we do, trust in Christ and all he has done, and to live out and proclaim the gospel day by day. So I hope you'll tune in to Thoroughly Equipped, which you can find on most podcast apps, Striving for Eternity's Christian podcast community, or look me up on the web at ttew.org. Isn't it interesting, like, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, where you see, like, God's Word, His truth being proclaimed, and then just, like, that piercing, where it just pierces right to people's hearts, and it's like, okay, if they're going to reject it, the only thing they can do is try and discredit it or come back and blast it and get angry because they're trying to reject truth. That makes people angry if they're like, I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to understand truth. And then that can frustrate them. And I think that's kind of where you see his next response kind of come from a place of just being like that convicted frustration because he was confronted with truth there from her. Miller seems to recognize that what the Bible says, the Israelites, the Jews, they were what are called God's chosen people via the covenants. And so he says in reply, quote, God says that Jewish people are the chosen ones, but yet you say we have no hope. Thanks for your pearl of wisdom today, unquote. <laughs> so he thinks that he can find a contradiction of what she's saying, even though if you read the New Testament, you recognize that there's perfect explanation for this because you recognize that with the New Testament fulfilling prophecies in the Old Testament, the revelation of Messiah requires that you have to embrace the Messiah. The New Testament also explains what the purpose of the law was in giving to them that the law was given to bring people to Christ and that you're no longer under the taskmaster of the law and that the oracles of God, God gave the oracles to the Jewish people, but they still have to believe. And so, yes, the Jews are God's chosen people, but for what were they chosen? Not just by being descendants, that therefore they're the people of God, and that, okay, so then now they have the truth, everyone outside doesn't have the truth, and yeah, so he doesn't quite understand what the claims of Christianity Christianity based on the New Testament scriptures would explain that to be. 
And later on, Paul even describes that now that Jesus Christ has come and the Messiah has fulfilled that prophecy, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. Like Mm. they are one now and Christ died for all, both Jews, both Greeks. He died for all mankind. So there isn't like one specific group that can only come to Christ now. All can come to Christ And I think that's like such a beautiful thing. And that's where there is hope for all mankind because we can all come to him. To say that Jesus Christ is the only hope is not to exclude anyone, not to exclude any particular people group, but it's like, hey, you can still be an ethnic Jew. You can even still attend Jewish events and stuff, but where do you place your trust if you embrace the Messiah? You know, even Paul had Timothy circumcised, but they both understood what it meant and that if you're putting your trust in things like circumcision to be right with God, well, when Messiah has come and has fulfilled the law, and what did circumcision picture? The putting off the sins of the flesh, and where Jesus Christ is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And so, yeah, all these things picture, so sometimes out of necessity for the furtherance of the gospel, you can be, as Paul says, I become as a Jew that I may win the Jews, I become as a Gentile to win the Gentiles. And so, yeah, Paul says the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So someone can be Jewish and still be a Christian. So the claims of Christianity are not anti-Semitic and they're not an attack on Jews. They are the claim that according to your own scriptures, your Messiah has come, I am grafted in, you need to embrace your Messiah. And even Paul says in Romans 3, verses 1 through 3, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So Paul is explaining, you know, it seems like it's a, an answer. If Representative Miller's looking for an answer to his claim there, well, there it is from the Apostle Paul. There is the advantage to being the Jew, even like as Paul recognized at the time, because, hey, you're the first ones, you're the ones given the very oracles of God that look forward to and reveal the truth. Just like the Apostle Paul told Timothy that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's there. You have the scriptures there that will lead you to the truth. The Jews had the oracles of God. So there is the advantage of being the Jew. There is the advantage of circumcision in that it points you to the truth of Jesus Christ. But what if some did not believe? That doesn't invalidate the true faith of Christianity. Because truth is something that endures. It doesn't change if you want to believe it or not truth is still there. (laughs) I think this next person we introduce to the conversation (laughs) is kind of interesting. Yeah, because then it's kind of like an unlikely ally that this devout Christian Elizabeth Marbach had on this Twitter conversation here. So Elon Omar, the progressive Muslim Democrat in Ohio and member of the squad. (laughs) There's a group called the squad that includes AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Ilhan Omar, and a few others that are kind of the loud voices that push a far left agenda and stuff. They're called the squad in in D.C. (laughs) (laughs) So she actually replied with some truth. So she said, quote, No, stating the core beliefs or principles of your faith isn't bigoted, as Lizzie did. It's religious freedom, and no one should be scolded for that, unquote. So this liberal Muslim is replying to a Jew, a Republican Jew, criticizing a Christian statement and actually saying, hey, it's not bigoted for her to say what she believes. Mm -hmm. So 
amen to an unlikely ally here. <laughs> then a little bit later, Omar continues and she says, quote, it's also wrong to speak about religious freedom while simultaneously harassing people who freely express their beliefs, unquote. Oh, yeah. And then she even, like some of her fellow progressives were criticizing her defending this Christian radical. And she replied to them, quote, that's her actual belief. You could disagree, but it's not bigoted for her to say what her beliefs are. That's all, unquote. So, Hey, sometimes, you know, like support comes from unlikely places. And so a broken clock can be right twice a day. And in this case, we could say that Representative Ilhan Omar was the broken clock who was right. (laughs) Thank you, Representative Ilhan Omar, for standing up for the right of this Christian woman to express the gospel on Twitter, X, X slash Twitter. (laughs) You know, you got to give credit where credit is due. This kind of reminds me, you know, even as this Muslim woman was recognizing the right that it's not bigoted of someone to express and make absolute claims about their faith. So being bold about one's beliefs while respecting the beliefs of others helps further conversations and understanding because Marbach made absolute claims, but she was respectful about it. And so a conversation was going about, well, what does Christianity mean? And she wasn't attacking people, but she wasn't backing off. She wasn't squishy about it either. And so it kind of reminds me, like, at my last job, I did have a Muslim co-worker, and I got to have some good conversations with him. Like, unlike Representative Omar, he wasn't a liberal Muslim. You know, he didn't support some of the things she supports, like pro-abortion and pro-trans stuff like that. He was a staunch Sunni Muslim from Jordan. And so, yeah, so he was the real deal here. And so... One time I decided to invite him to the lobby and to talk about our faith. And of course, like I like to explain to him as a Christian. And so, you know, I asked him like, you know, what would you like to talk about there? You know? And so of course, naturally the question he wants to come up with is about the Trinity. And so I explained to him what the Trinity is and it helps that I study that enough. So to avoid confusion, because he had confusion about it. So I tried to explain it clearly according to the Bible. Then I asked him if my belief in the Trinity, if he would consider that shirk, which in Islam, shirk is considered the unforgivable sin. If you die as a mushrik or someone who's committed shirk and you haven't repented of that, then that's the unforgivable sin. It's worse than murder and all that stuff. It is the worst sin according to Islam. And being respectful and stuff like that, he kind of felt like a little nervous to say what he believed. Like I saw once I asked that, he's kind of, okay, I know he believes that, but he's afraid to like put it on the line there. And when I perceived that, I respectfully told him like, no, don't worry. You got to be bold about that. And don't worry. It won't offend me for you to tell me what you believe about that. And so kind of like, yeah, I believe that that would send you to hell and stuff. And I was like, well, thank you. I respect that. And I said like, yeah, from a Christian perspective, what the Trinity implies about who Jesus Christ is as a Christian, I believe that that's necessary to be saved. So I believe that if someone doesn't believe who Jesus is and what he has done, that that necessarily would send someone to hell because they wouldn't have the forgiveness of sins. And so, yeah, it's kind of like we both laid it on the line, but I wanted to make sure that he was bold about what he believed and that he didn't worry that I would be offended about it. So then we can move on from there and talk about more of what we believe, both being respectful. 
Then the second conversation we had another day, I talked about the law of God, the meaning of forgiveness, and ultimately, as we talked in that conversation about the gospel, explaining why the Trinity and the Incarnation were necessary. So I kind of built on that first conversation, like, this is why the Trinity must be true, because Jesus had to be both God and man, and he had to be both God and man to be the substitute, because that's how I believe that forgiveness can only happen from a perfect God if we violate his law. So I really explained that to him. And since I respected him and wasn't offended, you know, about his beliefs, that opened the door for me to present the truth. And all that to explain that Ilhan Omar was right, and it's fruitful for people to be able to be free to express and make absolute statements about their faith so that a conversation can happen. Sometime I'll have to have an episode where I go into detail, like focus on my conversations with my Muslim co-worker. I remember we did a pro-life training where they talked about just finding that common ground with the person you're talking to, Hmm. because when you can find that little speck of truth, like, okay, being honest about what you believe in or what information you were brought up with, bringing that out and having that in the open, like you said, it's like being respectful of where they're coming from. And at the same time, having that opportunity to engage in a conversation. And you don't see that nowadays. You see people just name calling or shutting people down and you don't get to have an actual conversation. And to me, that's so sad because that's where you can learn, you can grow, you can have those opportunities to share the gospel and to share truth because you're engaging in that two-way conversation but people are like kind of forced or pushed into these places where it can only be a one way. You have to have the last word. You only send like a small little tweet or text blurb that just blasts someone and then that's it. Like there isn't that conversational piece of it. And it's so sad that that's part of it what's missing. Like you think about some of the early church philosophers and <laughs> They like would sit around for hours having these conversations about one subject, like <laughs> what is truth? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's like, lots of conversations like yeah, Justin Martyr and his dialogue with Trifo the Jew. Yeah, like they would cover lots and lots of topics. Yeah. In the meme generation today where it's like everything is just lobbing bombs over the fence, it's much more fruitful when people are willing to come to the table and talk about what really matters, like your sincerely held beliefs and to clarify and understand each other without compromise. And sometimes people will realize, whoa, that makes sense. I didn't agree with you, but a lot of it is because I didn't really truly know what you believed other than what my allies would accuse you of and what I would accuse you of and bumper sticker theology. (laughs) (laughs) And so as of this recording, when I looked at Marbach's original tweet, it had over 2.4 million views. And so I think... This speaking the gospel, this absolute statement here seems to work in favor of Marbach and kind of is getting her a lot of attention and national news. And as she said, it helps a lot of people to be able to see the truth of the gospel. And so that's all she's concerned about. And praise God for that attitude there and not cowering under the opposition. Eventually, about four hours later, after lots of people explaining all this firing back and forth and people kind of explaining to Representative Miller that she's perfectly right to state what she believes and that's simply Christianity, Representative Miller, about four hours later, eventually posted his own tweet where he says, quote, I posted something earlier that conveyed a message I did not intend. I will not try to hide my mistake or run from it. I sincerely apologize to Lizzie and to everyone who read my post, unquote. So for that, it did seem like a genuine apology. He didn't just say something like, I apologize to anyone who read intents from my post. 
he said, I will not try to hide my mistake or run from it. He realized, okay, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And maybe I should have recognized that she has the right to say that. And she's perfectly justified in being a Christian and speaking like a Christian. And so good on him for tweeting that. And Marbach actually recognized that it seemed like a sincere apology because then she replied to his tweet, quote, Max, I accept your apology 100%. However, the truth is that it is not me from whom you need forgiveness, but God himself. I genuinely pray you seek him and find salvation, unquote. I love that. <laughs> yeah, because then it's like she's not just like, okay, let's bury the hatchet and move on. She's like... I want you to get saved. (laughs) So it's like, there's intention in my original post. It wasn't me just kind of squeaking something out and, oops, how did that get out? It must have been like late at night. And well, it wasn't late at night. It was in the afternoon. It wasn't something that like, I just had an off thought and something slipped out. It was like very intentioned. And then her reply here was also very intentioned. Like she's going to triple down here. (laughs) but things get a little hairier from here (laughs) yeah what does it really mean to love your neighbor as yourself confusion or faulty beliefs on this point will result in nothing more than pain and relational carnage christians must submit their understanding of love to god's revealed word love is not a feeling love is not tolerance or acceptance or ambivalence love is not merely romance Love is a universe-altering choice to want and work toward God's best interests for the people in our lives, whether they want it or not, because that's how God loves us. The one true God of the universe has existed since eternity past in ultimate perfection. He spoke the cosmos into existence for his soul, honor, and glory. He moved heaven and earth to redeem mankind, even though we have nothing to offer him. And he's given us everything we need for life and godliness in his word. He deserves our worship. He deserves our adoration. He deserves our praise. I'm your host, A.M. Brewster, and this is the Celebration of God. If you want to know God better, celebrate him more, and help the ones you love to do the same, subscribe to this podcast and visit celebrationofgod.com to learn more about this dynamic discipleship resource. And remember, the Celebration of God is a listener-supported ministry. So two days later, on August 17th, Marbach was let go from Ohio Right to Life. Now, interestingly enough, Representative Miller's wife, Emily Moreno Miller, is on the board as a member trustee for Ohio Right to Life. So some suspect maybe that Emily Miller had an axe to grind. It's hard to say. Um, (laughs) They said that the Ohio Right to Life CEO, Peter Range, tweeted on August 17th later that day, Quote, Ohio Right to Life can confirm that Elizabeth or Lizzie Marbach is no longer employed at Ohio Right to Life. This decision was not based on any single event, as some on social media claim. We appreciate Lizzie's service and wish her the best in future endeavors, end quote. So that seems to kind of speculate because some people would claim like, oh, they fired her for giving the gospel on Twitter X. And he's trying to alleviate that by saying like she was let go not from one single thing she did. Okay, well, then what else could she have done? Or was it that at all and stuff? But so as I was reading some articles, it mentioned one Ohio Right to Life member showed concern for the tone of a tweet from Marbach on August 10th. So this was several days before her gospel post where a Rachel Coyle tweeted about the upcoming Ohio constitutional amendment that tries to reverse the recent abortion restrictions. So later this year on the ballot in Ohio, there's going to be a constitutional amendment that basically enshrines at the very least Roe versus Wade level abortion allowances under the law in Ohio to reverse Ohio's uh, recent laws after Roe versus Wade that restricts abortion more. So Rachel Coyle 
tweeted, quote, Yawn, everyone in hashtag Ohio can read our proposed amendment for themselves. It's one page long. She gives the link to it and then says, It mentions nothing about parental rights or trans rights and allows abortion to be banned after viability. Hashtag restore row, unquote. So notice she says the amendment allows abortion to be banned after viability. That amendment itself doesn't actually do it, but it's restore Roe. So the amendment is basically codifying Roe back into Ohio law, but as a constitutional amendment. So the Ohio issue one that recently failed was a constitutional amendment that was proposed to make constitutional amendments only be able to be passed by 60% of the vote, which now it's just a simple majority. And unfortunately, that failed because that became kind of an abortion debate because of this upcoming abortion amendment. And they're hoping and they're going to get a lot of out of state support to try to reinstitute abortion in Ohio and you know with a simple majority and they want it to turn into a state constitutional amendment which is stronger than that of a state congressional law but in response to that Marbach kind of mockingly replied quote yawn you're a murderous liar Rachel and Ohio will soon find out unquote So, you know, you read that and some people might like, oh, she called someone a murderous liar. (laughs) And so, yeah, they'll give that as evidence that her gospel post wasn't the immediate thing that got her fired. Perhaps her gospel post was the final straw in several things. But one could think that maybe her gospel post itself was so controversial that, well, let's see if we can find other things she said before that would be an excuse like this August 10th tweet and to claim that dismissing her wasn't just from the one single thing, but maybe it was. Who knows? But in any case, it's strange that two days after her gospel post that garnered lots of controversy and attention and 2.4 million views and kind of a battle between her and Representative Miller and Miller's wife is on the board there of Ohio Right to Life. And then two days later from her post, she gets released from Ohio Right to Life. That does raise the suspicions there. Now, Marbach also hosted Ohio Right to Life's Back to Life podcast, and the August 11th episode is the last one she hosted, and I looked at the podcast, and they usually have one episode released every week, and since the last episode was hers hosting it on August 11th, it seems like it's delayed now for the next episode, maybe as they're trying to work out who will host it and stuff. So a periodical called The Sentinel discovered from internal communications at the Ohio Right to Life that they were able to give Marbuck a choice of either to resign or to go through a transition period before leaving. And she declined to do either of those and was let go. But the Sentinel later asked Marbuck after she was let go if she regretted her original tweet. And I just love this part. (laughs) She said, no, because, quote, now millions have read the gospel message, unquote. Yeah. I think being bold, courageous, standing up for truth just describes what Marbuck has done with this tweet. And just knowing that even though she got let go from the right to life group there, that she did what was right. She proclaimed truth. She shared the gospel and close to 3 million people have been able to hear the gospel message because of her courageous tweets there. I'm sure when she tweeted that, she had no idea that simply posting that on Twitter X was going to end up causing such a firestorm. Like she's just speaking her mind. A lot of people will just do a quick little post on Twitter, but that turned to this huge national event. (laughs) (laughs) because Representative Miller dared to reply to her and that kind of catapulted her to a household name here. And, (laughs) And yeah, think about it. Elizabeth Marbach becomes a challenge to a lot of us as Christians. Just how bold are we going to be 
to speak the truth when we know it is the truth that we must proclaim to the world. Now, a lot of people, they have a lot of their security in their jobs. A lot of people are too afraid to do anything that might cost them their job. And so Marbach recognizes that proclaiming the truth of the gospel, that wasn't just ancillary to being part of a pro-life organization. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian. There are Jews there. We need to discard any differences we have for the sake of our movement. She did express that, you know, I hope that people will avoid some politics in Ohio right to life is well positioned and essential to abolishing abortion in Ohio and stuff. So she wished the organization well on that front and stuff. But she recognizes that the truth of the gospel is absolutely absolutely essential and more important to her than keeping a job you know she didn't backtrack at all she doubled down and tripled down and down to the nth degree from what i could tell and so she was dismissed from her job she didn't beg for it back she didn't repent of what she said and so all the better for her to realize that truth matters more so than the security of a job and i hope that we take that to heart too and i do see good things for her like how many christian-based pro-life organizations might be willing to say hey come work for us i think she has a bright future on that front lots of interviews from national organizations now in her future but even if that weren't the case good on her for speaking the truth and it's definitely example for all of us so i'd like to close this episode with some verses that i could see some parallels with what ms marbach said and did so we see a similar example in Acts chapter 4 and verses 18 through 20 because the Jews in the first century in the disciples day at the apostles it says and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus it sounds like what Ms. Marbach was told not to do But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so over 2,000 years later, Marbach's doing the same thing. And as the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, his son in the faith, 2 Timothy 4.2, he tells him, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so, yes, I like that statement. And I think that Marbach fits that description as well. Preach the word, not just when it's in season, but out of season. And when you get pushed back, Continue to preach the word with all long-suffering, all patience, all respect for your opponents, but to do it with doctrine and not compromise. And so I think Ohio Right to Life lost a valuable person, someone who demonstrates what it means to be pro-life there, because from what I saw, she's an abortion abolitionist. She believes you know, abortion is wrong in all cases, and you know you have to be pro-life and abolitionist without compromise, and she definitely has that faith, and she was an uncompromising Christian. And so they at Ohio Right to Life should respect the kind of character that she is and how important that is for the pro-life cause and it seems to me that ohio right to life aborted the truth when they dismissed elizabeth marbach and so we hope that you enjoyed this episode of truth espresso and that you will continue to listen to truth espresso and so stay tuned for the next episode and god bless Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. 
If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.